I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello once again. Grace Guard Dogs out there in the audience. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. Glad that you guys are here. I am, too. My fellow guard dogs. Out in the pound there. Out in the pound. I see the Facebook page seems to be working again. Good deal. Good deal. And I got some feedback. Okay. Actually, I got a head slap. Okay. That's... The feedback. Yeah, from... uh, from Ramona. Apparently, I mentioned something about dating and what you can do. <laughs> and she said, I cannot believe you would share those things on the podcast. Yet so, another way we get in trouble on the podcast. So I said, Well, no one listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So I apologize. It was a little too personal. Yep. Trying to make a point. But for you, those of you that don't know what we're talking about, let's get to the relevant points and maybe Grace Guard Dog Steve can fill us in on what we podcasted about last week. Oh, okay. Let's see. Last week we were mainly in the book of Philippians in just looking at the commands, things that we are told to do later on in the book of Philippians. And there was a a challenge given to me, which is to show the verses between those verses that give us the commands. And those verses that were between those verses were telling us to do it, accomplish what we needed to accomplish in the power of God. It turned out that the whole letter was talking about in the power of God and over and over and over it kept coming up. Matter of fact, the letter was saturated with in him, rejoice in the Lord, stand tall in the Lord, on and on it went. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. It was all about that and that's how we do those things that we need to do as Christians so that we don't shame Christianity help be we're helpful in promoting Christianity and that is by how our life is lived that's the reason we do the do's and don't do the don'ts it's for the sake of this gospel which is exactly 
what Paul said in Philippians, he, he said, for the sake of Christ, do yeah. this. And it turns out these do's and don'ts are completely different than the Old Testament do's and don'ts because the, the do's and don'ts are now a new and living way. The new covenant is based on a promise that was given to Abraham. That promise was in Galatians 3, the Holy Spirit. And it was the the blessing that was promised to Abraham was called the gift of righteousness. When you're blessed with the gift of righteousness and you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, it makes the new covenant really stand out as not, remember we talked about the two words for new, but this is not 2.0 of the old the covenant. Old covenant. It's right. not a new version of the old covenant. It's got different ways in which the Christian life is lived out. It's got a different judicial system. Something we ought to look into is what the Christian judicial system is if we're not under the Mosaic judicial system anymore. In other words, we're not under the law, but we have do's and don'ts to do and we know that we get them done by Christ in us, doing them for us, doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. So we give the credit to Christ, and there's a reason for that. Well, let me ask the question then, because you bring this up a lot, Steve. You'll quote, I think, James 2, 12, speak and act as those who will be judged by the perfect, perfect law, law that gives liberty. There's another one you bring up a lot of, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 9. 21, yeah. Is it 9, 21? Yeah. Remember that off? Yeah, he says, to those who are without law, I became like a person without law, though I myself am under the law of Christ. Okay, so see, whenever you use the word law, my mind just goes immediately to Ten Commandments. James 2.12 is saying, speak and act as those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives liberty. This is not the Ten Commandments. It's a new perfect law. So how are we judged by that, I guess would be the question. That's the million dollar question. That's what we need to look at today and be on the right side of the fence. If there is a judgment for the new covenant Christians, and it's completely new and completely different from the old covenant, which the old covenant was every time you fail to stay righteous under my commandment system, you sin and there has to be a payment for that sin. That was the old covenant law. But if the new covenant is completely different and not a trumped up version of the old covenant, what would the judicial system look like? It's important to remember that the judgment that for the law is mentioned in John chapter 12. He says, if now, he says this statement, now is the judgment of the world. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Boy, is that line taken out of context. Mm -hmm. The next verse tells us why it's not meaning 
singing songs about Jesus, Jesus. Yes. will attract multitudes of people. I'm fine with singing songs about Jesus to attract multitudes of people. I, I think that does, but it's not the con. It's, it's not the context message. of this verse. No. Yeah. So he says, now is the judgment of this world. Okay, so the whole world is being judged. Now. Then he said, but if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Literally drag all men to myself. Meaning he would represent every person that would ever be born. All men. For judgment. And that they would be judged and there's some Levitical laws that says you can't die for another person's sins. A father can't die for his son's sins. He can't say to the judge, I know you gave my son the death penalty, but I, I would take it for him. You can't do that. You have to be judged for your own sins. So Jesus could not have died for us as much as he died as us. One died, who pair over all, representing all. He died as us and therefore all died that was the judgment for sin right the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world so we're so in james 2 12 he's saying speak and act as those who will be judged by the perfect law of liberty so this is not a judgment for sin it's what you speak and how you act you're going to be judged by that. So that's what my question is. Can you explain what that judgment is and the others that are similar to it? Yeah. And once again, it's a no-brainer because we can just look at the scriptures that tell us verbatim what that judgment is. And we will. That's what I mean by no-brainers when you can just use the scriptures themselves, and they give you firsthand evidence, eyewitness evidence of what is being taught. You always look directly at me when you say that term, no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with our intellect. It means that we don't need to use our brain. We can just look up the answer out of the book. That's some little idiosyncrasy I have, but I, I call things that we can look up in the Bible, no-brainers. Okay, so first thing, it has nothing to do with judgment for sin. No, remember in Hebrews where it said he's coming back a second time without reference to sin. It was appointed for a man to die once and then to face judgment. So Jesus died once for all men for all time, never to die again. And he's coming back a second time without reference to sin. The second time he comes back, it has nothing to do with sin. So what does it have to do with? There again, it's a no-brainer. Let's look at it. Turn with me to Revelation 22, and we'll look at verse 12. Behold, I am coming. That's what it said. He comes back a second time without reference to sin. So behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega. He says, I'm coming quickly and I'm bringing my rewards with me. And this is the 
essence of the judicial system of the new covenant that we live under. It is about receiving rewards and you get judged whether you're going to receive rewards or not. And we're going to go through the scriptures, but I'm just going to say in a nutshell, right now, as boldly as possible, what the Spirit does through you builds you up rewards in heaven. What you do for yourself burns. You don't store up treasures for yourself in heaven. It's Jesus in you who does that for you. Let me just read that definition for reward that he's talking. It's mystos. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it means dues paid for work, wages hired, reward, used of fruit naturally resulting from the toils and endeavors. In both senses, rewards and punishments. Of the rewards which God bestows or will bestow upon good deeds and endeavors. Now, it does say punishment, but I looked up every one of them in the New Testament. There's 29 times it's mentioned. Not a single one of them has to do with punishment. They all have to do with a reward, a well-done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. So you're saying that speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of Christ or the perfect law that gives freedom is a rewards judgment. That is the judgment of what rewards you receive. Nothing more. I mean, that's good news. You guys, if you really get down and say, because you always hear Jesus is coming back the second time. Well, take it right out of his mouth because in Revelation 22, 12, those letters are in red. That is Jesus speaking himself, saying, I'm bringing my rewards with me. Yeah. And He's it, the one who tells you what the judgment is about, not these people who fear mongers who, oh, there's going to be a second judgment. And, oh, you get a, better get ready for it. How many rewards you get? How good is that? It's without reference to sin. There is no double jeopardy. No. They can't be paid for twice. Double they can't jeopardy. Be punished That's twice. so true. That's true. Well, we get our judicial system from the Bible. Yes. Yes. And now we'll just go through the scriptures and see if what I boldly declared rings true. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because that's how we roll at Guardians of Grace. It makes that Hebrews passage even clearer. He will appear a second time without reference to sin, but to bring deliverance to those who are eagerly awaiting him. In other words, the deliverance he's talking about is what's going to get you rewards. The bird like that. Yeah, you remember all the times in the Gospels where Jesus would say, you will ask me, didn't we play a dirge for you? And didn't we cast out demons in your name? And didn't we spread the gospel and prophesy and everything? And he says their reward is with them already. They already have their reward, meaning whatever pat on the back you get for doing what you did for Jesus is all the reward you get. That's why he, he would say, 
depart from me after they said, we cast out demons. We did everything for you, Jesus. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. That's really that word that can be translated experience. Depart from me. I never experienced you. And you never experienced me. You did not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because you're taking credit for what I am doing through you. You remember the stories in the gospel, right? Of Jesus saying these things. Well, he wasn't saying them for no reason. He had a reason and it was to teach us how to speak and act as those who will be judged by this law of Christ that Paul says I'm under. Do you remember what it says in the book of Revelation chapter four? No, I'm I'm sure you don't, but I'm gonna read it and we'll see the gist of what it says and that it's tracking along with the idea of speaking and acting as those who want to receive rewards. I'll start in 417. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have no need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and need salve for your eyes. That's the gist of the matter. Like Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, nothing good in me comes out. Like they said back in the Old Testament, your righteousness is as a filthy rag. Our righteousness doesn't cut the muster. Like Paul said, I want to be found in Christ with a righteousness that is not my own, but the righteousness of Christ who lives inside of me. He says, you need eye salve so that you can see flesh versus spirit, that you can see which is manifesting itself through a person. That's what you need salve for your eyes so you can see that when you're fellowshipping with people. But here, Jesus is talking about the judgment, saying you won't have rewards unless you, and this is what he says, I advise you to buy gold from me refined by fire. I want you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich and white garments you need from me that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and I have to anoint your eyes that you may see. He's saying, I counsel you to get your gold from me. Why? Because he's the one and only person that can produce gold. It's Christ in you, the hope of producing gold. He is the one who has made all gold. Isn't the gold mentioned in another passage about judgment? I think 1 Corinthians 3. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah. Let's go there and we'll tie this in perfectly. You see how he's saying you're naked, wretched, and blind? Hopefully you'll get clothes from me so you won't be ashamed on that day? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3 and tell me if it's not, as it's describing the judgment day, 
tell me it's not saying the same thing as Jesus is saying. Again, Jesus said, I counsel you to buy gold from me refined by fire. And he said, you need salve for your eyes, you're a wretch, and you're naked and need some clothes for that day. Those, those are important points to make that Jesus himself said when we look at the Bema Seat judgment. The well-dressed rich man with good eyesight was actually blind, naked, and what was the other one? Poorly dressed. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to read that, 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to start in verse 10. Okay. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, I'm refraining from stopping right there, but I'm going to go on. Right, the grace of God given me, big point. <laughs> According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on this foundation. For no other foundation can be anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Not people on fire, their works on. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. There's our word again. If any work one's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as one through fire. All right, question. If you're saved as yet through fire, do you have clothes on? You, you come running out of the fire naked. That's what Jesus says. You're naked because everything, you're naked because everything that you're putting your confidence in is burning up. It's going to leave you naked and ashamed on that day. Please realize the great day of judgment is nothing more then you realizing that it was all Christ working through you and nothing of you. And if you didn't understand that, the punishment is embarrassment. Yeah. If, I, oh, sorry to interrupt, Steve. There's no mention of sin in this whole passage. No, no, no. It says you can produce gold and fine jewelry or wood, hay, in stubble, but the day of the judgment is going to burn those works, and the works that do not burn are your rewards. Jesus said, I'm coming back and my rewards are with me. Those are the rewards, the ones, the, the deeds that don't burn the deeds that are done by Christ, the deeds that are done in human capabilities. Remember, the flesh counts for nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It produced nothing, nothing. of any value. 
And we have to understand that to get a hold of the new covenant. And we have to understand that to understand the judgment of the new covenant. It's all about rewards and how many rewards do you want? It's good news. It's good news. So this is pretty much the same thing James is saying in 2.12. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives liberty. Yes, and that's just a couple verses after James used the perfect law that gives liberty as a principle. Remember, he said a man... The doer is somebody who looked into the perfect law that gives liberty as a principle and abides in that law. He is the effectual doer. He is blessed in all that he does. Then you turn around and get further on in James, and he uses it as a judicial system judgment. Speak and act as those who will be judged by that perfect law that gives liberty. In other words, that perfect law that gives liberty stores you up rewards and spits them out on the day that the fire comes to burn. So you speak and act as you're going to be judged by that principle that works within you that stores you up treasures in heaven. He uses both sides of the coin in his book. It's utterly fantastic to me. But you can tell that 1 Corinthians has given us a picture of what it's going to be like at the end of time. And you see a lot of things are thrown in the fire and burned. And doesn't it talk about a lot of burning in the book of Revelation? And once you understand this principle, you can look at the book of revelations chapters 19 20 and 21 and you'll see it through a different lens it completely changes the way you read those three chapters it sure does because gold and silver are refined by fire there's a few psalms that bring bring that up silver for the furnace and fire for the gold but it is god who i forgot how it goes exactly but it's the work of god that that passes them all. Yes. Is is what it says. In other words, this is not talking about people, but it's talking about the power that they do what they do in which they do it. Jesus speaks a lot about doing things to be seen by people and says, that's your reward. But when it comes to this judgment, that's going to get burned up. It didn't count. Remember Jesus saying, go to your prayer closet in secret, for God sees the things that nobody else can see. You're not supposed to brag about how much you pray or anything. Then your reward burns up. So much so that we don't even see it ourselves. Paul mentions that he doesn't even judge his own motives. It's not his job to judge his own motives. His work will be seen as what it is by God. And he's not judging his own motives. So. Yes. That's why Jesus gave the analogy of the good tree produces good fruit and the bad tree produces bad fruit. He's talking about the spirit producing good fruit and the human nature producing bad fruit. That's why he says the good man out of the goodness of his heart produces good 
good treasures. And you know from Romans 3.10, there's none good. No, not one. That's why Jesus said to the rich ruler, why would you call me God? Only God is good. So there's one good man and he produces good treasure out of his heart. And the human heart, the edemic heart, try as it may, falls short. It does not build a good house. It does not store treasures up in heaven. All those analogies that should be coming to life right now, the reasons Jesus talked about a guy who builds a house that burns and all those things, they should be causing you to focus in on one picture of that judgment. And it's judging for what Christ has done in you and what you have done for Christ burns up. What he's done for you brings his rewards with you. I mean, just look at John 3.16 and following and tell me if he didn't describe the judgment at the end of time. Let me try and say that once more to make it clear. Did Jesus... Does Jesus in this passage describe the end time judgment to a T? He uses yet another word picture to describe this end time judgment. It starts in the famous verse, John 3, 16, but it's a little past that where we get what we want. But start wherever you want, Bill. Well, I'll pick it up in John three sixteen. It's familiar with everyone. For God so loved the world... John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believing in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. We read that again. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. I notice the word light is capitalized, so it's speaking about the light of the world, Jesus himself. Verse 20, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Amen, amen, amen. I don't know if you realized it, but he just, he, he said it. And this is the judgment. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. There's a judgment that he won't do. He said that. Yep. But then, then he says, there is a judgment that he'll do. He says, this is the judgment. And he goes on to the, define the judgment, but look how it's defined. It says that the light has come into the world, but the men love the darkness 
that was the judgment. He's that's a statement. That's a statement of fact. It it says this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but you'd rather use your human effort for some dumb reason. But you're dumb a dummy to to do that. But anyway, they love the darkness of their human nature. It says. Then it goes on to say, everyone who loves the darkness of his human nature and hates the light does not come to the light or the fire in 1 Corinthians 3.10 and following. The fire that causes wood, hay, and stubble to burn and gold to be shown for what it is. It says he hates that light because his deeds would be exposed. His deeds, not Christ's deeds, but his deeds would be exposed as never producing anything good. They get exposed for what they are. As hard as he tried in his flesh, and as much as he wanted the credit for it, it gets exposed as not being righteous at all. It gets exposed as being a filthy rag. But then it says, he who practiced the truth comes to that light that his deeds may be manifested as having been done by God. That his deeds may, that we're always using that word manifest, that Jesus <laughs> manifests in you, manifests in you, manifests in you. Well, this is what happened. Jesus manifested in them. They come to the light because they're practicing the truth, which is equal to speaking and acting as those who will be judged by the law of Christ. You're just practicing the truth. Hey, it's not me doing this good deed. It's God in me doing this good deed. And the ones who practice that truth, they come running to the light so that it may be just clearly seen that, no, it wasn't me doing the good deeds. It was Jesus in me doing the good deeds. Do you see that's the judgment that he describes? And everybody's so scared of the judgment, but that judgment is a judgment of mere embarrassment. If you thought you were the one doing it, you were wrong and you come as a person who just got in through fire. You come naked, wretched, blind, and needing clothing. You're embarrassed totally. It's bad embarrassment. You were wrong for thinking you were the source of the good deeds, which is what Guardians of Grace has been trying to say for the last two years. God is the source of good, and we are not. And there is a reason we say these things. It's because it stores you up treasures in heaven. I I just can't believe what I hear on the TV with these fear mongers telling you, God is disappointed in you, and you better try harder, and you're going to hell, and God doesn't love you, and he's mad and you're going to get punished, and on and on they go when the good news of this gospel, of this new covenant, is about receiving rewards at the end of time. It's an entirely different idea. It's an entirely different covenant. It's just so different, but it is so obviously right on track. We give 
credit to God for the good that's being done, for only God can do the work in us. Only the good man can bring treasures out of his heart. That's why he counseled the Laodiceans to buy from him gold refined by fire. Amen. And just the the fact that we started this whole passage off in John 3.16, God so loved the do-gooders, God so loved the church. No, he said, God so loved the world, the cosmos. Jesus said, I am the light of the cosmos. Two chapters earlier in John 1.27, it says Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. So sin is not the issue here. It's manifesting, manifesting the light. There I go, making my own words up again. It's manifesting the light of Christ. The light of Christ is his life. I'm the light of the cosmos, he said. No wonder he said, shine this light so men will see your good deeds and glorify God. Always telling you to glorify God for that light because it's him who is the light. We are now, the, the church is the light of the world. We're pointing to Christ, the one who does these good works that are fruit of the spirit that's why paul is praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened that you'd be getting to understand this that they wouldn't be blind eyes that they would be enlightened eyes it's also the same idea in the garden of eden where it says there's a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they were so blind guess how many trees they saw one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And guess what tree they were blind to? The tree of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You see how it all ties together? And it's a judgment of whether it works done by you, wrought by God, or wrought by the flesh. Rot's an appropriate word for <laughs> deeds done by the flesh. Yeah, like rotten. Rotten. But, yeah, done by us or done by Jesus in us. This parallel is over and over and over throughout the Bible. It's, remember John 5 says the same thing about the vine. John 5 says, I planted a vine, talking about Israel after the flesh. I planted a vine and I I watered it and I built up foundations for it and I I did everything for it, but I looked for fruit. So, like I said, God went to get fruit from that vine, he says in John uh, Isaiah chapter 5. And guess what kind of fruit he got? Rotten fruit, uh, worthless fruit. He, that fruit was a filthy rag, didn't produce what God could have produced through them, which is... So they weren't the true vine. They weren't the true vine. But guess who is? Guess who is? And the pad answer is Jesus. Jesus for 100 points there, Alex. (laughs) The true vine. The true vine. That's exactly what Jesus says. I am the true vine and you are the branches and my father's the pruner. And then it says, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. 
let me manifest myself through you. Abide in me and I abide in you and you'll bear much fruit and I'll shine through you and it'll cause you to bear fruit that lays up treasures in heaven. I, he's always been on, the, the Bible is has such impeccable continuity to it. Oh, look at that. It's just, well, what about the branches that aren't bearing fruit, that aren't abiding in the vine? What happens to them? Don't they get burned up? Isn't that the same thing? As the judgment. Yeah. Yes. A branch that is not producing fruit is not abiding in the vine. It's producing, it's abiding in its own human effort. In other words, a deed that doesn't produce good fruit burns up. It's about these deeds and who has done them. You've got the spirit of God in you and you've got Adam's nature in you. Who's going to do the source of those good deeds? That's why in Colossians 1, it says, I'm praying that you would bear fruit in every good work. The Colossians could do good works that bore no fruit, because as it says in Hebrews, they bore fruit for death. They were dead works. Another whole topic that lays foundation for what we're saying about speaking and acting is those who will be judged by the perfect law that gives freedom. I think maybe the next podcast, we should show thousands of examples of Paul speaking and acting like somebody who's under the law of Christ. And when we say the Bible is replete with those examples, we really mean it. There's a lot of examples of Paul speaking and acting as somebody who's under the law of Christ, under the judicial system of that law, and going to get the beautiful outcome of that judgment, which is nothing less than rewards. How many rewards are you going to receive? How much bad are you going to receive? Nothing. Rewards? are stored up by merely giving God the credit for what only God can do. For saying, God is the doer, not me. I'm not the doer. God is the doer. I never was the doer, and I never will be the doer. I will be me, a man with a human nature sold into bondage to sin. Jesus will be the doer in me. Isn't that, let's go back to Revelation where Jesus says, I'm bringing my rewards with me. Tell me if Jesus isn't the same, saying the same thing I just said. I'm not the doer and I'll never be the doer. Okay, but go back with me to Revelation 22, back to verse 12 where we said, Jesus is saying, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to everyone according to what he has done. Now, let me just mention this obscure verse that comes right before it. And tell me if it doesn't talk about our human nature and this divine nature of God. It says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong and let the one who is filthy still be filthy 
and let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness and let the one who is holy keep himself holy. Who can keep himself holy? Only Jesus. Oh my gosh, Steve. I've never seen that before. It really is. He's saying, saying let, don't fix the old man. Don't fix the old man. Let the flesh be the flesh and the spirit will always be the one who is the doer. The old man is dead. Dead. Leave him in the grave. Leave him in the grave. Do not depend on him. Do not try and make the filthy man clean. It won't happen. The old man was crucified. And put in a grave because he doesn't clean up. So we were circumcised from him. It's all telling us about our two natures. If you don't understand the two natures, you do not understand the two covenants. You just can't without understanding that from Matthew to the end of Revelation, it is constantly talking about our two natures, the fish who get caught in the fish net and gathered and separated the sheeps from the goats. All these separation verses are all about our two natures over and over half of his parables about our two natures. The only way to get understanding is, is to learn about these two natures, and we will. Otherwise, you're just trying to fix Adam. You're trying to fix Adam, and he doesn't... You can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> okay. So with that, we'll leave you hoping that this podcast was enlightening. Can you close us in prayer? Yes, and I'll close us in prayer. Father God... Thank you so much for bringing that scripture at the very end that nobody preaches on. Let the filthy be filthy. Let the unrighteous be unrighteous. Just remain. He's got no burden to change. Just let him be him and let the spirit be the spirit and let them to manifest through you and give the spirit the credit for the good that you do. It's a very simple message, Father. Just allow everybody to take root in this message that you brought us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Good night. Good night, you guys.